You're listening to Behind the Sprinkles, a business and baking podcast for the Australian baker. I'm Brayoni, the owner of Queen of Crumbs and your host for this podcast series. Before we dive in, remember you can follow me on social media at Behind the Sprinkles on both Facebook and Instagram. If you have a topic you'd like covered, please send an email to Brayoni at queenofcrumbs.com. Let's get started. Welcome to today's episode of Behind the Sprinkles. Today we're going to be discussing the process of turning your cake decorating hobby into a legitimate business. I know I say cake decorating, but this is also applicable for cookies, macaron makers, any type of treat or dessert makers. I'm just super used to saying cake decorator as that's what I am, but this is still relevant to all you other sugar wizards. If you've listened to my first episode, I did discuss in that one more of the personal side of my journey to starting my business, whereas today we will be talking more about what to expect from the actual business side of things. So first things first, congratulations on deciding to take the leap into businesshood. You're going to love it, then you're going to hate it, then you'll love it again, and hate it again. You get the point of where this is going. It's going to be an absolute roller coaster. To get things baking, you'll need to get a few things sorted out. You'll need your Australian business number, so ABN. They are free to apply for and get, and you can do that easily online to search for ABN application, and you can do it directly through the government website. And then generally, as long as nothing goes wrong during the application, you will get that as soon as you finish. You'll then need to register your business name with ASIC. So that protects you from having someone else then try and use the same business name here in Australia. And that way you'll also know when you go to register if someone else does happen to have it already. Uh, Plus there are some business names that are banned because they do have rules on what is acceptable in a business name. Mine did actually get reviewed um, when I applied because it contained the word queen. So... (laughs) Just be mindful of that. It did end up getting approved, but it was just a slower process because it had to be reviewed manually to make sure it wasn't a no-no. You'll also need to lodge your food business license with your local council, provided that you meet their requirements. So these requirements do vary from council to council. So be sure to look up what's required and call them if you have any questions before you submit the application. I know here in Brisbane City Council, if the inspector comes out to assess your kitchen and you don't meet requirements for them to come out again, you do have to pay a re-inspection fee. So it does get a little bit pricey if you haven't done things properly from the get-go. So any questions, just call them. And then create your social media accounts if you haven't already. So this can include a website, but that is completely optional. I personally have one. I wouldn't have it any other way. But again, I did start as a blogger, which required me to have a website. And then when I started my business, I converted it over to a business website. Once your license is approved, you will need to organize your public liability and professional indemnity insurance for your shiny new business as well. This will cover you if you happen to accidentally make someone sick and they sue you, for example. And you will also need it if you plan on having a stall at the markets or if you want to attend any other events to sell your treats. They do ask for it when you apply. 
Um, as I mentioned in the first episode, I have worked in many other small businesses previously, which has given me a lot of knowledge on how to run one, uh, which has definitely helped me keep a tight ship on my admin side of things. So for that, there is another list. So you'll want to organize some type of accounting software. I personally used a custom built Excel spreadsheet for quite a long time before I moved over to using Myob Essentials. I don't recommend the spreadsheet option for everyone. They are a lot of work. A lot of things can go wrong. Um, but I do have bookkeeping and accounting uh, knowledge and training from my previous job. So that is why it worked well for me for so long. But Myob Essentials is super helpful. It's in the cloud. It's wherever I am. I can invoice stuff directly from my phone. You can't go wrong with that. You'll also want a logo and a sense of your branding. So this includes knowing what you plan to offer. So your specialty plus the tone that you want your business to have. Is it a little bit naughty or is it sweet and simple? Just a few examples. Uh, so you'll want business cards. So even in this day and age where everything is digital, having a physical business card is invaluable. Uh, when you're out and about and someone asks what you do and you're like, oh, I'm a cake decorator everyone goes oh wow that's really cool you can then give them your card that way they can follow you online and they then got that to get in touch with you if they ever need anything and let's be honest everyone always needs cake birthdays weddings like even divorce cakes are, are becoming a thing now which is awesome so there's always a reason to have cake so the more business cards you can hand out the more potential clients you are reaching and then they pop that with them and then they can show that to other people and someone else might mention to them oh i'm needing to organize a cake for my husband's birthday they might go oh well i actually ran into a decorator recently let me just grab their card and then they can hand that over so very helpful you'll also need a proper filing system for your physical receipts and other important business documents so I personally use a binder system. I have a binder for all of my receipts and that's organized into monthly sleeves. And that way after everything gets input into Myob, it gets photocopied and popped into the folder. So that way my receipts don't fade. Uh, and that just lives in my bookcase. And I have a second folder for all of the records that I need to keep for my kitchen for council requirements as well. Uh, so you might choose to use a binder system like I do, or you might have a filing cabinet already, whatever works for you. You'll also then need to create a digital filing system for any of your digital documents. So perhaps when you uh, PDF your invoices out of your software, you need to save them somewhere. Or if you get emailed, uh, like renewals and different digital invoices, just somewhere to save those so you don't lose them because email is a weird beast. You'll need a method for keeping track of your confirmed and pending orders. So for all of my pending orders, because I quote them through Myob, I then have a list of potential like pending orders there. So that way it's easy for me to follow up with those customers. I can just resend the quote and go, hey, just following up. I haven't heard back from you or whatever. Um, and then once it is confirmed, I can turn it over to an invoice rather than a, a quote. And once it is confirmed, I pop it in my, in my physical diary. So I've got a planner from Kiki K that's got all the different sections in it. 
So in the, uh, the date section, I just write down the details of the orders and keep track of it that way. And that's what works for me, but you just need to find what works for you. You'll need to decide what payment methods you are planning to offer. So you've got options like PayPal, bank transfer, cash, FPOS. Uh, on my website, you can pay by either Stripe, so credit card, or you can pay by PayPal. Um, for any of my seasonal stuff that's listed in the website. Whereas on my invoices that go through Myob, you can use PayPal, you can use PayPal, bank transfer. Uh, again, you can use your credit card or they can opt for a bank transfer and just directly deposit it into my account. Uh, you'll need to create your terms of service and a contract for your orders. So the terms of service is just your terms and conditions. So what, uh, what makes the order effective, how much of a deposit you require, um, are you liable for any allergies, re allergic reactions that might happen, just include all of that in your terms of service. Um, how refunds can happen. So like what happens if a customer is not happy with their order? What do they do? All of that goes in the terms of service, which can then be turned into a contract, which your customer just signs at the same time that they're paying their invoice. So that, that way it is all legally binding. Um, and it protects you, it protects them, everyone's a winner. You'll need to create your base pricing guide so that customers know what the minimum cost of something will be before they contact you. So I personally have that listed on my website. You can include it in your Facebook gallery. You could have like a pricing folder in your pictures. You could have it as a pinned post. You could have it as something that uh, you can just automatically send people like with the auto replies. If they ask like what the pricing is, you could lots of ways you could do it. And it helps you with working out your quoting as well. So that way you can go, all right, well, a six inch cake starts at that, so that's the base price. And then what additions or options to that changes the price and add them on and go from there. You'll need to create some ingredient labels or flyers to include with your orders. So what ingredients are in your products and any allergens that could be in them as well, just so that your customer is aware especially if it's going to a party. So that way the guests who weren't necessarily involved in the ordering can see that and know that it's okay for them. You'll also need to decide how many orders you can do in a week. And this will depend on your own personal situation, like whether you're still working in an existing job, if you're looking after your children, etc. You need to work out at the beginning what you can manage, because if you don't, you very much run the risk of overbooking yourself and burning out. So just work out what's achievable for you to balance. So my fiance and I, we don't have children. We're not planning to ever have them, which gives me freedoms that other decorators who do have children don't have. But at the same time, I, have then, I then am also still limited in the number of orders that I can take on because I do have a full-time job at the same time. So this one comes with a little bit of the story, but something else to keep in mind is that people will be more inclined to take advantage of you when you're a fledgling business, especially if you're also a little bit younger when you start out. So I remember just a few months after I launched Queen of Crumbs, I was approached by a local community festival to donate some cupcakes to their talent show judges, just as like their thank you gift for judging over the three days. 
I was promised daily advertising during the talent show segments and that my business cards would be handed out to attendees. I had a meeting with someone involved in organizing and handed over the big stack of my business cards. We sorted out the number of cupcake boxes that were required plus dates and time for delivery. This event was also a significant way from me, so it was a decent drive. So I get started in the morning, I book into my commercial kitchen, which was pricey because it was paid by the hour. I baked the cupcakes that morning and I dragged my fiance out to this festival with me because it was such a long drive, I wanted company. So we both get out there and I was asked if I wanted to stay for 45 minutes and then I could actually be the person to gift the judges their cupcakes up on stage. So I agreed because I was like, well, that's great exposure. The people will see my cupcakes. They'll see me. They'll be like, oh, she's so friendly looking. We must buy from her. That was my plan anyway. So we waited around the 45 minutes. I go back to the stage and I'm waiting off to the side with the woman that I had spoken to earlier about being the one to hand them out. And I then watch as the girl that I had originally organized everything with started handing out the cupcake boxes. Then the lady that I had spoken with earlier about me being the one to hand them out, realized what was happening, dragged me up on the stage and had me take the cupcakes from this girl and awkwardly then hand them to the judges. As the announcer proceeded to call me by the wrong business name. That was great. At the end of this, I get off stage, I get given back my cooler from transporting the cupcakes which contained not just every business card I had given them for the three-day festival, but when I got home, I realized that it also included a massive stack of the business cards of another business that had been involved in the event, who also did not have them handed out. So what this experience taught me was no matter how excited you get when people want to have you involved, you just need to pause. Think about the payoff. It needs to be mutually beneficial for you both. I had outlaid a decent chunk of money and time to not receive the compensation that I had been verbally promised. For things like this, I would definitely recommend perhaps drawing up a contract or even charging them at a discounted rate. So the contract could say, uh, in exchange for X number of cupcake packs, um, ABC festival, will offer, will uh, do blah, blah, blah advertising so that it's written down and then hopefully gets adhered to because at the end of that, I could have come back and said, well, we had a contract. My end was upheld, but yours was not. How will we fix this? But unfortunately, I didn't have anything. And unfortunately, again, I did not learn this lesson soon enough. And I had a few more experiences of just jumping into supposedly amazing opportunities only to realize too late that I had once again grabbed the shortest stick possible. So just something to keep in mind is to just be aware of the different areas of business exchanges and to make sure that you are getting a payoff out of them as well. So there's definitely a lot of information to take in when you're starting a business. It can be incredibly overwhelming. It's also a lot of hard work to establish, maintain and run a business, but it's definitely rewarding and I couldn't imagine not having Queen of Crumbs in my life anymore. Sometimes I think about it just out of curiosity and then I go, oof, no, can't do that. We'll keep her. 
So what I'll do is I'll post a checklist in the uh, Facebook group for Behind the Sprinkles of the different points that I've listed earlier in the session, uh, just so that you've got a checklist of things to work through when getting started. Uh, if you've got any questions about starting up a business, please get in touch with me directly, or you can also pop a post up in the Facebook group for Behind the Sprinkles, so that way everyone can contribute with um, answers and experiences. I hope that I have been of some help for you in starting this journey. Um, fingers crossed. Thank you again for tuning in and I look forward to bringing you some more episodes very soon. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to Behind the Sprinkles. Don't forget, you can follow me on social media at Behind the Sprinkles on both Facebook and Instagram. If you have a topic you'd like covered, please send an email to bryoni at queenofcrumbs.com. Until next time, stay sweet.